Welcome to Good Deeds, Real Estate with a Mission, our weekly podcast to equip home buyers and sellers with the knowledge and wisdom needed to navigate the evolving, often challenging real estate landscape and to share our thoughts on the importance of why we give back from every single transaction we close to the community where we live. Hi, I'm Diane Davidson. I've been in the real estate business for over 40 years. I'm Bill Weidecker, and for me, it's 37 years in the business. And together, we've helped thousands of people just like you to buy and sell real estate. You, the economy, and the community benefit from making knowledgeable real estate decisions. We are here to help, and thanks for trusting us to be your guides. Good Deeds, Real Estate with a Mission is presented by the Fine Homes Group International, serving clients in New Hampshire and the greater Boston area. Now, here's Bill and Diane. And welcome, everyone, to Good Deeds Real Estate with a Mission, our latest episode to talk about uh, particularly how the pandemic has affected the real estate business, how it's been a benefit in some ways, how you've had to plan around some other ways. But um, uh, we're going to do two shows today. The first uh, is focused more on selling during this particular time, and the next one will be about uh, some things that buyers may have to do to uh, navigate this uh, situation. But first, we are here with Diane Davidson. Diane, how are you? I'm fine, Dave. How are you? I'm okay. And uh, the lovely and talented Bill Weidecker is here today. Bill, how are you? Always a pleasure, David. All right. One of the things, uh, I, I don't think it's a, uh, I've got the wrong word written here, negatives. It's not negatives. It's consequences uh, of where the market is today. We're talking specifically to sellers, is that there is lower inventory than there was year to date uh, or a year ago at this time and this being prime time to sell um, what does that mean to a seller if inventory is low on the market and we're selling this palatial estate that we're in right now well Diane I, I'll, I'll give a couple of comments and then you can kind of fill in the you know add some color to it inventory Inventory always is an issue, right? You can't buy what's not on the market if you're a buyer. It's very, very difficult. You've got to, so for, our, for us, our job is always to look for inventory that buyers want to buy. And in round numbers, I don't want to throw a lot of numbers out at the, those listening today, but last year, the main numbers have just come in. So this is really good timing because they're fresh today. The main numbers at the end of May. So that means it's a good thing that we canceled this doing this segment like yeah. four different times. Yeah, it's it's you're very fortuitous. Exactly for a reason. Yeah. For our fortu- very fortuitous. For Don't blame our, me. You're the you're the fortuitous one. So. For our listening public, they're the, they're the ones that will be advantaged by this. Last year at this time, at the end of May, there were five thousand in round numbers, five thousand active listings on the market. That's Greater Manchester. That's the state. Oh, the state. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, how many houses are there in Manchester? So that's 5,000. All right. So uh, this year at this time, 3,000. It's 40% less listings. And so when you're looking at, you know, taking a sneak peek at almost half as much property on the market, and here's the interesting thing. You say, well, how does that, how does that relate to buyers? So through the end of May, um, May last year versus May this year, Pending sales. This tells you what actually went under contract in the month of May. Last year in May, 1,951 1951 properties. Okay? So 1,950. 
This year, the properties that went under agreement, 1968. So essentially, the same amount of properties went under agreement. And we've got 40% less inventory. So we know this. We, when we run the numbers, the buyers are outstripping the sellers one and a half to one. So the buyers know it's still a good time to buy. The sellers uh, have, been, have been slow to the dance. And what, but the, uh, how does that relate to if you're selling, does that mean your home's going to sell quicker? Is that likely or does it mean something else? So it's still, you know, what's, what's true in any market is true now. Positioned properly, it's going to sell quickly. So that means pricing primarily and then in market preparation and marketing. And um, in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article talking about property preparation. Who am I to refute the Wall Street Journal? And properties that are prepared properly, was an alliteration, on average sell for 7% more. And that's significant. That's a, that's, a, that's a big dollar amount, and that's average, so some, some more than that. Uh, so no matter what the market and no matter what the supply and demand, the, the properties, properties can always sell quickly, um, and they can sell for the most money and, the, and with the best terms if they're prepared well. Um, so yes, they, properties can fly off the market in this market, and yet we see many that languish. And that's a factor because of what you just said, pricing. A combination of condition, price, and marketing. Um, in the, in that, uh, the idea that prices are, that's nationally, right, 7%? Or Correct. Is that, that's, uh, um, although Bill's probably going to come up with a number of how that affects here. No. no? Um, Who am I to refute the Wall Street Journal oh. or my wife? No, you, were gonna, you weren't <laughs> going to refute it, you are going to amplify it. If you had, but um, so is so does this that does that mean this doesn't have well a backup? So are you likely if you're selling to have multiple people putting bids on or, you know putting down offers on on the house and will that start perhaps a bidding? If again it's priced properly, right, and right. Positioned Let, let's well. make the assumption that it's priced properly. Then, and, and then yes, we have many situations where there are multiple offers on a property. Yes, and it's interesting. The properties, if we look back and see what has gone under contract, what they're, you know, where there's an accepted offer, or we see what's sold recently, like since the, since the, the uh, pandemic has started, the properties that sell quickly also sell usually at or over the list price, and the properties that are on the market for many more days often sell for less. So it's, you know, the, the, um, the iron is hot in the very f- first few days for seller. And it is a, um, do you expect that to pick up or remain the same, or do you think, you think we've hit the valley of we, as low as it's going to go, or you it, don't know? As low for inventory? Yeah. I mean, ter- so, in, in terms of act, people sitting there being reserved to make mm-hmm. decisions and say, okay, it looks like we're moving on to the next national crisis. This one is, even though it's kind of going on, it's still in the background. Are we ready to move ahead faster so, than we were? Anecdotally, we're seeing signs that, you know, leading indicators that people are, more and more uh, properties are coming on the market. Photographers, more are back at work and they're busier. So, and we're just seeing in some areas inventory increase. And where we're not seeing inventory increase, it's because buyers are absorbing what's coming on as fast as it's coming on. So um, it, it feels like there's more coming on the market. So if you're a seller, 
And, you know, back to the issue uh, that you've mentioned many times correctly, and I think it's important for people to remember this, is that if something is priced correctly and it's positioned at the right time, is it better to be aggressive when you're pricing your home, given the fact that that could mean more people are going to say, I like this, I want this home, and then maybe with a strategy standpoint, maybe that'll make it tick up because there are multiple buyers or offers? Or is that me overthinking it? No, I don't think you're overthinking it. I think you're actually thinking the way most sellers would think is, what's the what's my answer? Or should think. Yeah. And, um, yes. <laughs> yes. Or like I, Diane said, or should think. Right. And that's really, that is why we feel like there's a lot of value we bring to the table here, Dave, is is it's this move for you as a seller is very strategic. And so um, it is not one where you just sort of see which way the wind is blowing and pick a price out of thin air. It's like you have to really segment how does my property fit into all the competition right now that I may be competing with? And what does that mean to me? I'll give you a for instance. Right, let me just add one thing first. And a guy like me sitting here doesn't know that in the market. I just know what I know about my place, and you bring in a much fuller understanding of it. Absolutely. I didn't mean to put you off, but I just wanted to throw that in there. No. For the blockheads like me out there. No, and realistically, it comes down to this, is marketing, lots of people think, well, I'm going to price my home based on the last uh, half dozen homes like mine that have sold. In an expanding market like this, or a market where the demand is really, really high, you may be you may be writing a check you can't cash. Meaning this, um, you're basing it on old old numbers. What really makes sense is what are the numbers today? Who's my competition? How would I stack up if I came on the market right now in this minute against them? And that's really ultimately it. There's a little more subtlety to this, which means every seller is going to have a different set of circumstances, which is why it's so important for us to be involved early in the game as opposed to, okay, I've got everything ready, now let me call a real estate agent. It's, it's, the, it's really the wrong way to attack a, what, is, what is a huge financial um, conundrum. Diane, take me through the process. Somebody comes to you today. They've got, I've got this property, and you go all through the checklist of things that you do. How do you go about setting prices, uh, an asking price, and A, setting it? How do you go about the discussion to do it, and B, how do you arrive at that answer? What is that, what is that process like with you? How do you take someone through it? So I'm glad you asked that. We actually um, share all of the information available with our sellers. We don't edit. We don't come to them with three properties that are on the market and three properties that have closed because that's not what a buyer looks at. That's not how a buyer thinks. So we bring all of the information that we're looking at so that the seller, it's really a collaborative. First of all, we don't set the price. We collaborate with the seller to come up with the price that is that they believe in. And sometimes... Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're a little ambitious, and sometimes they are. But you know, we really—it's pretty easy to reach a conclusion that that um, that ends up and that comes to to uh, that. Excuse me, produces the results they're looking for, which is a sale with you know 
favorable price in terms that, that they can that they're happy with. Um, but so back to when they come to us, we take a good look at the market, and as Bill said, the closed property closed listings are a look in the rearview mirror. Um, seeing what the competition is is pretty critical. In this market, I'll say though that so much of the competition are, would be the listings that have been languishing, mm-hmm. and therefore no, they're not priced right. And often a seller will look and say, "Well, that's on for four hundred thousand. Mine's nicer than that. It should be four twenty-five. Well, the four hundred thousand probably should be three fifty. Right. So we caution them. We look at how long it's been in the market, whether there have been reductions, whether it's gone under contract and come back on. We look at, and we share all that detail with our sellers because we believe that 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 it's easier for them to reach a conclusion that they are that they are at peace with. And then, and there, and it's a collaborative effort to set that price. Another, you know, example is we, we um, another data point. We look at what's under contract because now we know what things are actually, not necessarily selling for. We don't know, but if it goes under contract pretty quickly, it's probably at the list price and maybe over. If it's not at, it's darn close. So now we see what the decisions buyers are really making, right? And in a lot of cases, we know if there are multiple offers then there are many disappointed, I hate to say it, many buyers who weren't able to buy what they thought was their dream home. And that's our pool. And so if we can respond to that and understand that we need to price relative to those properties, not necessarily what's closed or what our competition is in this market. And we take our sellers through that process. It would seem to me that the ones that are under contract, currently under contract, is a better guide for what something will sell for. Is that correct? Just my assumption or probably the best of the three yeah I think because that's that's a commitment and that's what Mm -hmm. people um, I understand so when we first meet with sellers we kind of go all over all of that and we can't put a property on the market instantly because we believe in really not um, compromising the quality so we have professional photography and so forth and that takes at least a few days sometimes a little bit longer so we always tell the seller tell our seller clients that we're going to sit back down before we come up with the final final price and look at the numbers again because by then we just have more up to the minute, whether it's three days mm-hmm. hence or three months or three years in some cases. So we always look at the real time numbers before we before we launch list put the listing into MLS. Because there could be maybe a surge. There could for be for yeah. whatever reason there's more just more buyers or a, a, what's the opposite of a surge? A desurge? <laughs> a drop? <laughs> a surge? No. I mean even even if nothing happens, that tells you something. That means uh oh, is the buyer pool drying up? Right? If, yeah. Um, how long does it take before you realize, uh, or maybe you already know it, and the buyer for the buyer to realize that you're too you're too aggressive on price, you, or you 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 priced it too high? How long does it lack, take? Lack of response. And I mean, how long do you sit there and go, okay, this has been on for a week, two weeks? You know, once you get to a couple of months, even I would figure that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's sort of this industry standard that if you're on the market for two weeks and there's no showings, or ten, you know, it's, I've heard ten days or two weeks, but two weeks with no showings, it, it, it's a pricing issue, or it could be it could be that your marketing, your advanced marketing, is poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, not likely if you've got the right the right broker. They're going to put all of the money into the marketing up front and do all the rather than wait. So that being the case, the world now knows your property is available, and if nobody's coming to see it, it's usually because the world knows. They've looked at your marketing. They've looked at your presentation, including your price, and said, I don't need to go to step two. I don't need to see it physically. 
I'm not that interested at that price. Is it fair to say that it's that a mar marking down your original price is a bad sign, or is it not a nope, bad sign? Nope, not at all. It always opens you up to a new buyer pool. There are people who sit back and wait, and they take it as a sign. I've sold things over the years where, you know, after a price adjustment, someone calls and says, you know, I wasn't going to buy for six months, but we came to this open house, and I see you, and, and they've ended up buying it. So, so there's I'm never... i like that. Yeah, there's never... There, hmm. There's never, you know, in life, I would say there's never a time when adjusting is is a is a bad thing, right? When you adjust, when you when you, re it's a response, right? It's a response to their reaction. I had a buyer once. We were this this very same conversation where there, there was a property where the price had been adjusted, and I said, the "Price has just been adjusted. We should now take a look at it." And they said, "That's a bad sign." I said, "Well, wait a minute. If they were at the wrong price, what other strategy do you think they should employ?" Right. I mean, it's the only no, logical move to I, make. Right. Right? I mean, you either include more real estate to the price, if you've got more real estate, right. or you do work to the property, if you haven't done work, or you adjust the price commensurate. People always will say, well, my property would sell if it were in this neighborhood at this price. Well, the, but it's not price commensurate right. with the location. Right. So it's always price. Well, I mean, I do that with a lot of things that um, I, I really like those those Nikes, but I'm not paying 125 bucks. So I'll be going my business and then something happens and they're marked down to 75 and I'm going, okay, I'll do that. Now, while, while we're on this subject of price, I do want to throw something out here because the, it, makes, it makes you feel like as long as you get the price right, then it doesn't matter who the broker is because the broker is just like a commodity like coffee beans are. Coffee's coffee's coffee. Or is it? It really is this: is that I think if you're priced if you're priced correctly, the difference between hiring the right broker and hiring the wrong broker is two or three or four percent. Now think of that for a minute when we're at an average uh, an average sale price of about three hundred and twenty thousand dollars in the state. Two, three, or four percent is really six, nine, or twelve thousand dollars. No small amount if you're going to leave that on the table. That's why it's really important. To, when we talk about a strategic approach to making sure you maximize your return, you don't get a second chance. All right, we've talked about impact on pricing that uh, low inventory has uh, it, when you're selling, and we've talked on uh, um, home selling quicker or the speed of the home. Any other issues to think about? Well, I would say the other thing besides protecting sort of more of the value by hiring the right broker is the probability that it's going to come to a closing because an yeah. accepted offer is something you can't take to the bank, right? And something that comes back on the market over and over again because you don't have an agent that is skilled at negotiation and as skilled as you can be at bulletproofing a transaction, that that's a, now that's a bit of a detriment. Mm -hmm. You know, what, Adjusting a price is one thing, but something that keeps coming back on the market, that's, that's a little bit of a people... It's, it's a that can be a detriment to, to the, the process. Um, and the other thing I'll say is that, um, Bill, is it ninety five percent of of homes that are sold are first seen on the internet, or is it higher than that? The National Association of Realtors statistic. God, uh, I can give you the with enough time. I can give you the exact. exact I didn't know that this wasn't going to be an open book test. Yeah, math but I, it is in the ninetieth percentile. Okay, so so the point there is that. You can, the first showing, if you will, is on the internet, is on, online, right? So if you have an agent who doesn't know how to really enhance that and maximize that opportunity, you don't get the second showing, which is the in-person. 
And so I think it's very critical to make sure that whoever you're hiring is putting, is preparing the property and all of the marketing and all of the aesthetic that goes around it so that when it's launched, when it's put into the MLS, Multiple Listing Service, and fed to every website across the universe, that it looks as, as good as it can, from copyright to photos to virtual reality, um, 3D tours, what, whatever it takes. And that is what we do. And, so, and that's really important. If that's the first showing, then sellers should be very cognizant of what that looks like. Because when they're looking, oftentimes our sellers are also looking to buy. And whatever, employ, whatever behavior... They, they, you know, they're demonstrating at whatever, however they're looking for property online. Those are the standards that they should, they should be looking for in you their guys, agent. You guys have definitely driven home the point. It took a couple of years for me, but the importance of photography, professional photography, that kind of thing. It's like uh, I used to think, what's the big deal? Snap it in your phone and you're okay. But that's not the case. Mm-mm. So, all right, final word. Uh, uh, advice to sellers if they're getting ready. Uh, and they're not on the market, what advice do you have for them? And we'll go to both of you, and whoever wants to go first, go first. Well, it's going to sound uh, self-serving, but call us. <laughs> um, I do not blame, you know. I was going to name this segment the shameless plug part. But yeah. Go for it. In the absence, but here, here's the real truth in, in, in everything that is marketing. In the absence of value, Cost is the only differentiator. So I don't blame people for wanting to pay less if they think we're all the same, and we're not. And so I'm not saying we're the most expensive. I'm saying don't hire the least expensive. You wouldn't do Just it in... because it's the least expensive. Well, I wouldn't blame somebody if they say, well, everybody does the same thing. Why wouldn't I hit the sort by price button? And we know that's not true. We hear it all the time. We see it all the time. Call us. Diane? Well, this may sound like a shameless plug. Call us. I love the <laughs> Oh, no, I know. Or write. Yeah. Or email. <laughs> How's Smoke that? Signal. I'm more of an email person, so I would, there you I would go. email. Then, then email him then. All Call right. me, email him. Yeah, I know. You don't answer your emails. He does. <laughs> That's not true. I know. I'm only kidding. <laughs> all right. Bill, you look like you have a... It's more than a pregnant pause. You have one. You have something to say before we go. Uh, have a great day. Okay, I will. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, and Dave. I think he meant that to everybody else, but I took it personally, yeah. as I generally do on things. All right, for Diane Davidson and Bill Whitecker, I'm Dave Long. Thanks for joining us, Thank and you. we'll be back next week with another show about buyers, what they should do in this environment. Okay. Good Deeds Real Estate with a Mission is presented by the Fine Homes Group International, serving clients in New Hampshire and the greater Boston area.